What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Volume. Excited to welcome on for our next Jenkins and Jones and Friends episode, Pablo Torre, the new uh, Meadowlark Media uh, transfer, hopping out of the transfer portal. Pablo, thanks for hopping on, and our apologies that Jackson uh, Filipino fished you. I, I, I'm fucked up by this. So I came in hot right off the bat. Tyler hadn't even joined the Zoom thing. And I asked Jackson if he's Filipino because in my brain, I was like, this looks like a guy who likes spam. He's vaguely multi-ethnic. Like, that's, that's the, the, you know, necessary and sufficient conditions. And he was yeah. like, no, I'm a fourth everything. And that has <laughs> shaken me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I apologize. As a, as as a, you know, as as hosts, we we want to make you as comfortable as possible, and he, he does that to a lot of people. You know, he's he's white on the spectrum. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jackson's just gonna um, sit there quiet. He ain't gonna say nothing. <laughs> Said he Filipino I, fish. I, I, I apologize on I apologize on behalf of my <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I appreciate I'm that. I'm just less confident than I've ever been to start a podcast, but we'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. That's the energy we try to get all of our guests in. So exactly. don't worry. That's our inter- that's our investigative interview technique. It's like we <laughs> <laughs> we have racially ambiguous <laughs> producers of all types in order to knock people off their pivot. Um, so first Absolutely. of all, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're recording this a couple weeks after you announced the the move over to Meadowlark Media. Um, awesome deal. Uh, you know, you're still going to be on, I think most of the ESPN properties people are used to seeing you on. Can you just tell us how crazy the last couple of weeks has, has been for you on a personal level? Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I worked at ESPN for about 11 years. I've suckled at one teat as an employee, um, for a very long time. 
And I had to explain to my mom like why I'm giving up Disney healthcare to work for a guy that looks like Mike. Um, like, These are all good questions, mom. Uh, no, but look, I it starts because I went to Moss, Miami. So Levitard has essentially Levitard Fest, which is one of the weirdest things. You guys would I think strangely enjoy it. Um, but it's one of the weirdest things. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like you show up and it's uh, uh, it's it's not an echo chamber because it is that. But it's more than that. It's like when you get to sort of go to a at Disneyland, I think sometimes you'll see like the characters walking around with their heads off, like the costumes, <laughs> yeah, their heads off. Yeah. That's what that is. <laughs> Just like people coming up to you and being like, holy shit, you're like this. And so anyway, Ron <laughs> McGill was holding like a giant like walrus penis bone on a stage. And, you know, all of this stuff was happening. And I was like, this feels like a place that um, I, I would consider working. <laughs> And so my contract is up March 31st and it, it was an, it was an unintentional recruiting visit. I just went down there to hang with my friends who I hadn't seen in forever. And when it came time, like Dan asked me if I wanted to help figure out what the fuck they should be doing at Meadowlark. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. And so at my, yeah, my phone's melted and all of that shit and people have been wildly kind and it's been an emotional roller coaster. All of those cliches are true. But it's it's mostly something that I'm thrilled about, man. Yeah, bro, I listened to your um to your going away episode on on ESPN Daily, and my dog was going through it. Like, you, you know, I, <laughs> I, I know it's a bittersweet time where you know you're excited for the move you're about to make, but you're also you know kind of sentimental and appreciative of the time you spent at ESPN. So, yeah, I know it's a roller coaster of emotions, like you just said. Dude, I got lightly stoned and re-listened to that episode. Um, <laughs> Did you cry in the darkness <laughs> while he listened to it? I, I felt so many feelings that I wasn't even aware that I was... I, I My voice, I was like, yo, this guy, I hope he's okay. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the thing of I hosted, like, again, almost 700 episodes of that. It was my life. And mm -hmm. so for me... Um, unplugging from that and figuring out what's the thing that I'm genuinely, genuinely like unable to make right now that I really, really want to do. And I'm going to speak in ambiguities because um, I should say that I haven't figured that out yet. Okay. But I have this <laughs> blank piece of paper where they're empowering me to do exactly that. Um, yeah, I got ideas. And I also have a lot of a lot of uh, things I probably should go to therapy for um, after working for ESPN for a long time. <laughs> 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 How did you negotiate the deal? Like, you know, going from ESPN, <laughs> doing ESPN and Meadowlark at the same time, being that Meadowlark is, you know, part of their brand is the anti-ESPN. You know what I mean? Diplomacy, John. I'm a diplomat. I'm here to build a rainbow coalition. I'm here to bring together former presidents and current presidents. I'm here to bring together guys who shit on ESPN all the time with the guys who get shit on by that guy. Um, no, but I realized that like around the horn in PTI, these shows that I've done, um, I, I, I'm, I'm functionally like, you know, family with them. Right. And as long as it became clear to me that they still wanted me to do that stuff. And they had this evolving perspective, as far as I could tell, um, in my position as labor, uh, as to like, okay, wait, there's this other thing you could be doing with your other time. Um, we love you on ESPN Daily, but if you have this offer that's out there and you want to, you feel strongly about it and it's going to take this and this and this. Um, yeah, man, I, diplomacy really is the answer. And I should say that it's entirely possible that I fuck all of this up. <laughs> it is entirely possible that I am a canary in a coal mine and... <laughs> 
I don't know if you know about coal mines, but canaries tend to die inside. <laughs> yeah. of it doesn't always yeah. work out for the canary. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but we're going to find out, man. I, I, I'm somebody. Look, the only thing I want to bring to this is like a transparency of like why this is happening and why people are letting me do it. And the good news, it's that like in most in most uh, sort of shared custody situations, there's a lot more animosity at the top. And right now, I feel like the happiest child of divorce. It's a really <laughs> weird thing to kind of be. Uh, You're getting yeah. two Christmases right now. Is it, that's the, the plan is both Christmases. I'm playing one household off the other. I'm telling him, yo, look what I got from mom. What are you giving me? Yes, I'm making everybody feel deeply emotionally insecure. For my Dad own lets me stay up and watch Conan. So. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, um. um Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was, I was going to say, um, you know, Dan, Dan is 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 a very unique case in that during his time at ESPN, he he kind of created this whole universe of his, right? I love it. It was like there was like this Levitar universe where you know he was as a senior ESPN guy, he was reaching back to the younger talent, right? Like he took you under his wing, he took Bomani, you know, Mina, uh, you know, Katie Nolan, yeah. and and that's I think that's just so commendable of him to like reach back and you know provide y'all with tangible opportunities. Of course, there's plenty of people who men are behind the scenes, but Dan was like. You know, I have a platform here. I'm going to make y'all regular guests on my show. I'm going to give y'all, you know, more ears and more eyes on you. And, and I think that's his, really his legacy there. So I'm just kind of interested in, like, the whole process there. Like, how did how how did you kind of get initiated into, like, the Levitard universe when he was at ESPN? Uh, hazing, man. Like, <laughs> you sort of figure out, wait a minute, um, can this person handle the kind of show this is going to be? The first time I ever appeared on Dan's show, I'm pretty sure. Um, long story short, I was assigned a story on Canelo Alvarez for a cover of ESPN the magazine. Um, another writer, Tim Kewen, who's great, was assigned a story on Floyd Mayweather. Dan, when he was at ESPN, had both of us on air at the same time. I had never really talked to Dan, but what he had done was set up a, like, you go and then you go, take turns, like, giving us the five most interesting nuggets from your story. Mm -hmm. And so Tim Kewen, I'll remind you, profiled Floyd fucking Mayweather, who speaks English <laughs> and is as described. And I have Canelo Alvarez, who is wildly not interesting. And so... <laughs> I made my, you know, chicken salad out of chicken shit as a writer, and I, I love that story. But on air, I was set up to essentially be laughed out of the room because oh. everything Tim gave was better than my shit. And Dan <laughs> knew it. And it was like, if this guy can, can swim in this pool full of, um, you know, of bits and, and, and frankly, like, discomfort, then I think there's something there. And, and, and the more real answer long term was, yeah, Dan has always been something of like a talent scout. Um, I think a lot of it is because he's a deeply generous, genuinely generous person. Other parts of it are because he is also um, lazy and wants other people to do work for him. And he was Respect. like, I don't have to pay Respect. these people and they can come on my show and make me better and younger and smarter and more diverse. Great. And for me, obviously, like where it nets out is Dan became a mentor and a really good friend who... I <laughs> Yeah, no, I was I was about to tell a story that betrays his confidence about what he may have done at my wedding reception, but I'm going to save that for later. <laughs> um, but the point is, um, Dan got really fucked up at my wedding reception. Um, so I took that as a sign of like he we we are in each other's family at this point. And Tyler, to your to your larger thing there about like what it allowed us to do. So much of sports media and media in general is about structure and fitting into it. And I love structure. I love format. I get it. And that show is the opposite. And you get to fill that negative space with a more three-dimensional version of yourself where you tell stories about your life. You end up 
being friends with people live in front of an audience that has these, yeah, as I said, like these genuinely, like the word parasocial has become this like clinical term for describing like how listeners obviously feel, you guys have this too, where you guys yeah. feel related, um, you mm-hmm. know, close to your listeners because you guys bring your full selves to that. Mm-hmm. That's Dan, man. Like that, there aren't a lot of places on ESPN for us to do that. Yeah, and I, yeah, that's actually a, a great segue into one of the things I wanted to ask you about. First of all, I wanted to give you props on ESPN Daily. I like all three of us. I, I I think all four of us have kind of a similar approach to sports. It's like it's interesting to an extent, but it's mostly interesting as a doorway into other conversations and bigger topics and and everything else. Right? Like, um, I'm curious about your approach to that and the way that the industry is evolving. I agree with you. Dan's had a big part in kind of shifting that, you know, and making podcasts like ours possible, honestly, like you said, where it's like, okay, we're talking, sometimes we'll talk about basketball for five minutes, you know, and then we're talking about what your worst English teacher said to you or some shit (laughs) like that. But, but, but that, like, I think when we were all starting out, that really was not what sports was at all. Um, so how much have you enjoyed being able to have the freedom, I guess, to kind of bring all these different topics into sports? So what you just mentioned reminds me that like the reason I wanted to become a writer was because I, I wrote like uh, uh, like an epilogue to The Giver. Did you guys read the book The Giver in school? Yeah. You know that shit? Lois Lowry, shout out Do to you. Do you still have the epilogue that you wrote to The Giver? I think my mom may have saved it. But, uh, okay. but to the point... To the point, and it's embarrassing actually to go back and never revisit that. But yes, it made my sixth grade teacher cry, Jeez. and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, I think I want to be a writer. This is an emotion that I've like, I, I've not felt watching her get emotional about this. And so yeah. the, the thing I've always followed is like, what makes you feel stuff? And insofar as sports is that lens, like, why don't we consider sports something that is more akin to? I mean, look, sports is the toy department in the sort of classic imagining of a newspaper. And I'm like, right. And to me, I'm like, it's also it's also everything. It is also every section in the newspaper. It is also the politics, business, culture, arts. Um, There's there's real shit in there. And for me, it's always been the widest possible aperture to talk about. Society, life, you know, I, I to me, I've as somebody who only got into sports full-time professionally because I bombed the, the LSAT the first time I took it, right? I was always somebody who we're gonna, loved I'm gonna sports. Add, we're going to talk about okay. this later. We're going to talk about this later. I have to ask you about that. Yes. No, no, no. But the point yeah. is, like, I was always passionate about sports as a fan and as a writer and working for the newspaper in college and all of that. But my concern um, was never that it would be too limiting, because where I came up in sports, it was through magazines, Sports Illustrated, then ESPN, the magazine, and then shows like Dan's, even PTI and Around the Horn. Like there are ways to talk about so much more. And so I have never felt limited by it. And that to me is why it's the greatest fucking scam you could run totally. is to work in sports media, man. It's unbelievable. It's like people expect nothing from you. You soar right. over that low ass bar. And sometimes you make people feel things and they get smarter because of the things you're talking about. It's an amazing thing. It's an right. amazing thing. I'm, yeah, I'm but, t- yeah, but you, you make, I just wanted like, you make such a good point. And I'm always having this argument with like our, our friends who are not sports people who are like, you know, who sort of this totally, like you said, it's the toy department, right? Every newspaper. And I'll always just point out. It's like civilizations played sports before they formed economies. You know what I mean? It's like religion and sports are the first two things that any group of three or more people 
figure out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes, I think that's a that's a that's a great answer. Thank you, John. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. It's, step it's on all you. good. It's all good. It's all good. I'm, I'm interested in like the production behind like the daily. You know what I'm saying? The yeah. daily show. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like. How much power did you have in like choosing the like the the topics? You know, what I mean, where those things were like, we got to talk about this. This is important, or this is click worthy. You know, what I mean, because you know, like, or I'm truly interested in this. Like, what what was that process like? Yeah, so I always prided myself on on being curious, like okay. stuff that I don't know about. That's the other thing about my approach to sports is stuff I don't have takes on from the jump is the stuff that often is most fascinating. Right, and right, so, right. As long as I figured out like an angle on it that I found engaging, I knew we could do something with it, especially if the guest, I mean, so much of it is reliant on these guests that Mm -hmm. we pulled from. But the production process, John, to your point, like I had not worked in high production audio storytelling until ESPN Daily. Mm -hmm. Um, I love, look, again, to go back to Dan Shore, how most shows are filmed, they're they're taped. They're they're so lo-fi deliberately because they are meant to be conversational and, and less about a cinematic aspect of how to tell sports stories. And so for me, I essentially was the managing editor of the staff. And so I got to weigh in on every topic. We also had to manage, of course, like ESPN has this awesome piece, investigation, documentary feature. Like, can you guys do something with it? Mm -hmm. The challenge to me was, look, I know this is not my show. This is not the Pablo Torre show, but it is a host is a show hosted by me that I'm, again, like overseeing. So the challenge was, here's a topic I don't know about. Maybe I wasn't responsible for the piece that we're about to discuss, but what's the way that we could do it that is substantive and pushes it to another level? And so that challenge every fucking day, man. Mm -hmm. Like we had a staff of about eight people and we worked our asses off. It, It was, it was, it was the thing of, I have never been swimming in so many Google Docs in my entire life. You know, it's just a thousand fucking Google Docs all of the time. <laughs> How long was that process? Like from idea, like, you know, na- you know, doing the narration, sound design. Yes. And then dropping like that's a I mean, that's a that's a process. How long was that? No, man, we were like it was like a NASCAR pit crew kind of a deal. Oh, where really? We would come up with the the docket for the next week by Thursday um, for the following week. And then we had to slot in five shows. And very rarely would we have a show in production more than a couple of days before. And so we were just constantly keeping the ball in the air. And occasionally there would be stories that I pitched that I wanted us to work on that were slower burn things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, our investigation into whether Jalen Rose is actually the first Jalen was a thing that we pieced together over time. Like those are the pieces that... Evergreen. Yeah, more <laughs> evergreen shit. Um, that's, uh, by the way, spoiler alert, like that's the shit that I... I always wished we had more time mm-hmm. for because we were always trying to swim in the currents of a news cycle. Um, but yeah, we were trying to do all of those things simultaneously. And so production narration, like, honestly, like, yeah, we'd be doing voiceovers and pickups and edits like the day before. Mm. And that's something that no audio storytelling platform, if they had their druthers, would want, man. It was, it was, it was hectic. It sounds stressful. It, it sounds, sounds exhilarating, as though, as a curious yeah. person. <laughs> All that research, writing, it sounds it sounds fun. <laughs> it felt and like a newsroom. You know? It felt like a newsroom in ways that I had not felt since college. We're like, we haven't slept enough. I don't know if we're getting paid enough. Right. But we love this shit. And yes, all of that, all of that's true. 
So, Pablo, you're making this pivot uh, to Meadowlark from, you know, ESPN, ABC, Disney. Mickey Mouse isn't writing, isn't signing off on the checks anymore, right? So that filter is coming off, which is something I'm very looking forward to. I look forward to that shit when, when all of my, like, favorite mainstream sports folks go this route. So I'm um, curious, man, which curse word are you most looking forward to using on a regular basis? <laughs> <laughs> and why Ooh. is it motherfucker? Motherfucker's mine. Yeah. That's, my, I can, uh, that's my favorite. <laughs> By far. I'm I'm trying to reclaim some old timey Asian racism <laughs> and just use that as a point of pride. I want to preempt Jason Whitlock whenever possible. <laughs> I want to make it so he has no power over me. I want to claim all of those words. <laughs> I cannot believe that motherfucker. Bro. <laughs> I, I I I have unfortunately I have too many thoughts and all of them mostly help him at this point. Yeah. Because right, he right. Is, Give he attention. Is, he's, he's, a shame, he, he's a shameless grifter. When that motherfucker was defending fucking obscure World War II slurs, I was like, bro. Can I, can I tell you the, the two things, though, that always warm my, that warm my cockles. I don't think I'd say that on <laughs> Disney. I don't even know if that's something that I shouldn't be able to say on Disney. <laughs> we appreciate it, yeah. though. Appreciate yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's the two things I love whenever Whitlock gets in the news. One, of course, is the LeVar Ball snacks. Clip, yeah, which is the greatest line read <laughs> of a line in sports media history. Totally, <laughs> the pause, the pregnant pause, and then snacks <laughs> with a definitiveness is is amazing. And of course, the second thing is Tyler's tweet about short and short, which is just like. <laughs> I just go through the comments looking for that. And it's like an Easter egg hunt bro, for myself wait, 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 every wait, time. I'm like, yes. Bro, I that's how I legit, that is the bat signal for when I know that Whitlock said some fuck shit. That, I start, that tweet starts getting retweeted in my mentions. Like, this is all that ever needs to be said about Whitlock. I'm like, what the fuck did he do now? <laughs> but yeah, fuck that guy, man. Yeah, it makes me very happy that someone I'm friends with has literally the definitive, like, there's no other sentences need to be said about that guy. <laughs> that oh. tweet. <laughs> um, uh, I just want to, yeah, we let's just, we, should, we should just go through Tyler tweets at this point and, uh, and <laughs> re- reread him roasting Jason Whitlock. But, uh, I, you know, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned coming up at Sports Illustrated, I was doing a, a, a slight slight prep i guess for the interview pablo but i didn't i didn't realize you wrote the si feature on athletes uh going broke yeah which like which was like one of the first things i first pieces i read where i was like this is real like this is what i want to do you know what i mean like this is like i grew up in long beach around a lot of people who became professional athletes so it's like this is what the actual world is this is what they're talking about this is what they're worried about not like sort of the noise part of sports media right and so i i um you know you have this great really strong background as a writer but obviously anyone our age and younger is at some point also doing something else right like right thompson's the last guy who it's like i'm gonna write and then as my multimedia thing i will read the things that i wrote on television <laughs> And you know you're you're right, total wonderful voice. But you're one of those examples of people who, like Mina, who we've had on, transition from writing into bringing sort of those same skills, but into podcasting and into you know having a personality and being fun on television. You mentioned you grew up wanting to be a writer, like that was sort of the motivating desire. So what what's that transition been like for you, and how much have you embraced it versus sort of having some trepidation about that transition? I guess. Yeah, um, this is where I can squarely lay the blame at the feet of Dan Levitard, 
Like uh, Dan Levitard and, Co- and Tony Kornheiser are both people that I've looked up to in this business and both people who have pulled me aside and said, isn't writing fucking miserable? And I'm like, yeah, it's really, it's really hard. Um, and they're like, you know what's not miserable and pays you a lot more money? Television. I was like, oh, these are good points. I'm taking notes now. I'm like, okay, got it. Uh, but no, I, I, I had a number of conversations. When I, so the other thing about going to South Beach to do Dan's show during the ESPN era was that you would fly to fucking Miami and you would hang out with Dan on South Beach. Then afterwards, he'd take his Mercedes-Benz convertible out and it had, uh, you know, all of the things that you'd imagine. It's just, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a caricature of Dan, how he lives in Miami. He's the mayor of that town. He's rolling around in a drop-top convertible uh, with like a matte wrap on it. And it's, it's just him convincing me without needing to try very hard that writing is not going to be your future. And so there is a real angel devil on my shoulder thing where the devil is obviously Dan and the angel is that teacher I made cry in sixth grade because she read my thing. And I'm like, but what if I'm actually a better writer than I am any of the other things that I do? What if even if writing is the hardest, it's the thing that's most satisfying to feel having written. That's the always that's always the joke, right? I don't like writing. I like having written. Um, and Dan and, and Kornheiser are both people who were made miserable by writing and wanted to hang out with their friends and talk. And once you get over the preciousness of like, uh, you know, I, I look down my nose at no, but to your point, no writer is actually trying to li- live a pure life here. You know, like right. everybody is everybody has realized that we live in an age where we're trying to do everything because we're also people who like doing more than one thing. And so I have a conscience that bothers me and bites me that tells me on this Substack that I just made, uh, PabloTory.com. Um, <laughs> sorry, this is very, I'm going to do this so I'm often. I'm signed up. I'm signed up. Thank yes. you, thank you. But it's like, do I write there? Do I, is that where I put things that I actually use these fingers to type again? And, and so tentatively, the answer is yes. Um, and uh, we'll see how much my sixth grade teacher haunts me from I think she's alive, but from her grave. Yeah. <laughs> from the grave of your daily life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a very self-centered person. She's effectively dead. Um. I wanted to ask you about uh, High Noon. I love yeah. High Noon. Yeah. It was the smartest sports you, show man. in existence while it was existing. What I learned from it, you know, not existing anymore is that a really good show you know what I'm saying? Like, might not make it. You know what I mean? Like, it can be great. You could, you know, you could, you know, it, you got a great producer, great talent, great topics. You know, it felt like, um, it felt like, you know, the 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 old interviews that I would watch when I was younger that were, you know, I learned listening to y'all. You know what I mean? That's why I would have it playing, you know, w- while working and things like that. I loved it. Um, what did you learn from it? And how was that experience for you? And do you think there's room for that in sports media? Like a show like that again? No, I, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, in, in a, in a, <laughs> I am so nostalgic for the mission that we had. And the, the big what if that you think about now in retrospect is like, was that more of an internet property than a linear television property? Mm. You know, like what if that was a video podcast show? Like what would have been different about that? Um, I think the trick of what High Noon was, was that it was trying to subvert a medium uh, certainly in production style. And look, I loved, oh my God, that first episode 
we played fucking music underneath the whole thing and it was like western music <laughs> and it was like immediately too weird and we changed it we like never did it I for the whole show again it though. I, dude john I, i'm telling you man i loved that shit that would have went crazy so, on as an internet property on you're right that right there that weirdness is like invite we invite that on youtube or something you know what i'm saying exactly and that's so i should say i correct myself like that was the first example of like audio production, so to speak, mm -hmm. on television or any medium that I really did was the music bed under High Noon. Um, and so what we were trying to do was figure out a way to be um, ourselves and build chemistry and do the stuff in the daily sports news cycle while also trying to balance the mandate of like, yo, we're coming off of first take. Mm -hmm. And so right. we are giving people something that we absolutely want having watched first take. But our lead in being particular, and Stephen A, um, owner of nine of the other 10 greatest line reads in sports media, by the way, no shade. He is fucking unbelievable. I love that dude in ways that he will probably never fully appreciate. Um, but it is, it is, it was an experiment that, you know, and then we go to half an hour in the afternoons, which mm -hmm. I wasn't bothered by, but it ends up changing the very premise mm -hmm. and real estate becomes scarce and it's harder to build chemistry in that format. Yeah, man, I have I have no regrets about that, but I do have mostly nostalgia for the fact that we tried to have discussions that went to levels that sports television in the linear cable television model just never really had time for in the talk show daily setting. And yeah, man, working with Bo, like, dude, my... I like to think that over the last... So High Noon started in June of 2018, went away at the start of the pandemic of 2020, so about two years, mm -hmm. then went right into ESPN Daily. I just feel like I've been working out these muscles, man. Like <laughs> doing a show with Bomani Jones in which you're going back and forth five days a week and you're being challenged and you're mm -hmm. standing up for what you want to argue for. And like, it, it's, yeah, I, I, I got so much better and learned a lot about how I do and don't need to do um, conversation on TV. And I'll always be in debt to Bo for that. Yeah. Bro, if 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 you've got, you know, sparring off with Bomani five days a week on your resume for two years, like Jesus Christ. Like, you know, you're prepared for I'm anything, ready, dog. man. Yeah. Hey, so for real, for real. I will say, like when I look back at my TV career, right? So that one hundred percent is how I feel about it. And then the first TV thing I ever did was the O'Reilly factor. The first <laughs> the first TV appearance I ever made was in two thousand and eight. It was the Beijing Olympics. I was at Sports Illustrated. We got a call. The PR department got a call late at night um, on a weekday. And it was like, Bill O'Reilly wants to talk to somebody about Michael Phelps. And I'm like, why the fuck are you coming to me? I'm like a fact checker. <laughs> you know, I'm like 23. I was about to say, how old are you? <laughs> I'm, the only, I'm the only guy in the office. And they just wanted a warm body for Bill O'Reilly to go against. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Like, I did debate in high school. Like, let's see how this feels. <laughs> and you show up and you realize, this is like right after the We'll Do It Live clip went viral. Oh, my God. Incredible. Yeah, I, like one of the first great viral, yes. like, like, like YouTube got invented because they're like, we need a place to put shit like this, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And so I just remember like sitting across from Bill O'Reilly, who was like, who had the skull size of, you know, those uh, like the... <laughs> The alien race that created humans in Prometheus. <laughs> this like giant skull. I'm just like in awe of like this 
This fucking underrated movie, Prometheus. <laughs> oh, great, great movie, great movie. <laughs> but, but his I'm, eyes are two thirds of the way down his head. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right, right, right. I'm staring at at this at this Republican Olmec, and I'm like, what? What am I about to do here? And it, it turned out that uh, again, just trials by fire in TV for me. Like he just wanted to lecture me about his high school swimming career on Long Island. Because he watched Michael Phelps and just needed a sports person to like be a corpse yeah. um, to throw ideas at um, that were not ideas, mostly just his memories. Mm. Um, and I learned a lot that day. Like I could survive that. <laughs> and that I really needed to know what my face looked like when I was not talking because I was mostly on screen listening <laughs> in awe of how I climbed into this television. And I'm now sitting across from this caricature of a person. <laughs> That's incredible. I did, I, yeah, I, I need to YouTube that shit, bro. Dude, it is. I hope it is. Like, it's on my IMDb page, comically. <laughs> I don't think there's video evidence, and I really hope there isn't. I look terrified. And by the way, that's another thing I learned from that was, like, to appreciate Stephen A. Is, like, Steve, watch Stephen A. when he's not talking. He is an active listener. He's yeah. probably the most active listener yeah. because this, this he's filling right up here, the screen. Like, like that, like he hits that all the day. He has the he has the reacting part of it. The the first improv class down, fucking pat. Yes, <laughs> he's not just a static foil. Like he is, like his eyebrows are part of your conversation. <laughs> he is a big yes, but guy. He's not a yes and guy, <laughs> but he is absolutely selling everything you're saying with his face. And so I, I bring it up just because I've gotten to work with people who are at the extreme ends of talent and caricature and reputation. And I just feel like surviving that shit, man. Like, I still feel like I climbed inside of the television, to be honest. Like, I'm very comfortable on TV now because I know all these people. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a real demystification once you realize that, yo, this guy needs to go to therapy just like me. But the point <laughs> is that, yeah, I'm just not scared anymore of, of like whoever I might encounter on TV. According to your wiki, you said your dad was the LeBron James of urology. <laughs> so we so so we have the LeBron James of feet and the LeBron James and, of Asian and I, urologists. And I, want yes. to, and I want to ask that you saying that makes your dad sound like the best urologist ever. Why, when hearing LeBron James say he went to LeBron of feet, did I feel the exact opposite? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it a little, but you went to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> so I trust that you're really smart. I'm wondering what you think about that. So I should be clear, though, as as, as a journalist, um, that I said that my dad is the LeBron James of Filipino urologist. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Which is a very distinct it's wiki, level. So you know, it could have been no, completely exactly. false. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I want this. I want this episode to be footnoted next to that. Now, <laughs> I want this asterisk. to be the correction. The asterisk episode. <laughs> but I did, I did, I did laugh my ass off when I saw LeBron use the construction that I did farcically <laughs> to describe my dad. Um, and yeah, the LeBron James of feet feels like you have the, you have um, wildly polarizing, but arguably the first or second greatest feet of all time. I just feel like he missed the characterization and the framing there. Like he, he was talking about like he was talking about like wiki feet rankings. And I'm talking about, you know, the best urologists, the best surgeons in the country. He's, he just fucked his shit up. Oh, that's awesome. Everybody, PabloTore.com. Uh, keep your eyes on Meadowlark Media as well for Pablo's new thing. Pablo, before we end, do you have any questions for us? 
Oh God! Um, you guys are still friends. You guys yeah. all like each other. Still? Oh my God! Yes. When do this with anyone? <laughs> you haven't else. gotten the disease of more hasn't set in for you guys. No. Like the Warriors shit. No, 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 we, we Gucci. no not at all, man. We Gucci. Not at all. When I bro. saw when I saw John golfing, and I was like, this guy is having the time of his goddamn life. <laughs> like you guys have all have this zen. You have. I mean, I watched Tyler go to war with people on Twitter. It's one of my favorite things. But I feel like even in that, even in that, when you're going at, when you're like the one guy who was conducting the interview with KD that I always wanted people to conduct. I'm like, <laughs> open invite KD whenever guys... you're ready, dog. He's making the exact face that he's making right now when he's tweeting yeah, yeah. with KD. Yes. Bro, bro, I'm never like out my character when I'm like, you know, going at people on Twitter. Because for one, I'm not like arguing you to get my point across. I'm usually arguing like, bro, the shit you said is really fucking stupid. Do you realize that? Like, that's usually where I'm coming from <laughs> during these back and forth on Twitter. So, yeah. I, I What I want to say is that you guys, um, for me, embody like uh, a form of internet brain that is one of the rare healthy kinds. You know, like that. internet brain to me is a disease that has afflicted all of us. And I look at you guys and I'm like, you guys have figured this out in a way that very few people have. Like how to be happy online and make careers on the internet. And it's it's fucking great. No, I'm fans <laughs> of all of you. Seriously. Oh, appreciate you, appreciate that so appreciate much, you. man. Well, thank you, uh, everyone. Please hit uh, pablotoria.com. Sign up for the Substack. Uh, yes. You get a very nice welcome email. Um, spoiler alert. And, uh, and yes. yes, we're all looking forward to, to what you got coming, man. And thanks so much for hopping on with us. We really appreciate you. Appreciate thank you, guys. Yes, thank sir. You. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l e e s a dot com slash iHeart.